Exactly. So, but then, yeah, like if you look at the studies, the I, and I can give you the average. The, on every scientist think that that our longevity and, and state of health is thirty to forty percent predetermined by our genetics, and the rest is your choices. In terms of environment, in terms of your lifestyle, in terms of your early diagnostic, etc. So, like you think about this, genetic is important for some of the people in case of like rare genetic disease. If you've been really unlucky. In genetic lottery then it's a separate issue it's just like genetic case and i do hope that we'll, we're gonna have more and more um, interventions in this field um, uh, available uh, but for majority of us it comes down to like your everyday decisions and uh and and this it's it just a lot of influence like 60 to 70 uh, percent of influence that um, your everyday decision will have on your you know, healthy and, and uh, happy life. Welcome, Dave here. And Steve here. Welcome to that Prepare podcast. Thank you for lending us your time. And your and, ears. We're most grateful. And today we have a really exciting guest and someone that, you know, originally I was thinking about this and I was going, I'm not sure about this. And then as soon as I started researching, I was like, wow, What's this is debate, fascinating. Steve? Okay, it's about longevity and the tech aspect of longevity. And, you know, the goal of our, today's guest, Sergei Young, is to, that we would live to the age of 200 in bodies that are the age of 25. Yeah, pretty cool. So we we debated that back and forth. We kind of dug in a little bit and had fun. It was really, really fun. He's an optimist. He's an idealist. So and he invests in his a tech kind of investment fund that invests of of a hundred million. Yeah, of lots dollars. of money. So, but one thing we wanted to tell you about beforehand is Steve and myself. We both move quite a lot and uh, move very vigorously, and we can smell often quite. Aromatic. A friend once told me that uh, in gorillas, silverback gorillas, generally the smelliest gorilla is the alpha male. And I always like to, you know, I always hold that one close to my heart. And that's your excuse for why that's you're my excuse. Anyway, anyway, any, anyway a friend, today, a friend. Today's sponsor is Wild. It's a deodorant, a natural deodorant, which once you sign up, gets sent to your house in reusable tubs. It actually works. We've been using it for the last three months. And my wife, who regularly comments about my odor, actually says... You smell really nice. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So you get 20% off by going to We Are Wild. The code is Happy Pair at the checkout. Really good, all natural deodorant sent to your door. It can be customized in lots of different things. Yeah, so. wearewild.com. Anyway, stay tuned. Sergey Young, fascinating conversation where tech, where ethics, where morality, and basic practical things that you can apply today to live a longer, healthier happier life yeah really interesting we talked about metabolic aging about measuring your about does growth hormones work does you know the kind of the urban legends of jennifer lopez or other type of celebrities what they might be doing to live longer happier lives and we talked about wearable technologies yeah it's great so it's fascinating stay tuned we hope you enjoy it and thank you for your ears. without further ado we give you sergi young because like that's not i'm investor like in longevity technologies and uh there are not a lot of funds in the world who just do impact investing in the field of you know, human health, you know, uh, helping people to live healthier and uh, happier life. So that's been recognition for wow. that. And does that mean, so So like it, a longevity fund, does that mean like, so you, some people give all this money and then you decide what businesses that specialize in longevity, you put the money yeah, into, yeah. is that how it works? So yeah, basically, okay. yeah, yeah, that's true. Like the way investment uh, industry works you know people just trust investment manager in this case this is me and our scientific and technological team and then we decide 
what are the 20 to 25 companies that we can support, which brings to the world affordable and accessible version of healthcare and longevity? Wow. And are you kind of looking for a, a 10x return or is there any kind of model? Well, like, this is very interesting. Uh, so um, before we start, so it's Dave and Steve, right? Dave yeah. in blue, Steve here in okay. gray. gray or yeah. David, like, yeah. Uh, I don't mind. I'm called Steve oh. half the time, so it doesn't really matter. We're okay. identical twins. We're identical twins. So we're genetically 99.9999% recurring identical. We're actually mirror <laughs> twins. <laughs> this is brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, okay, returns like, whew, uh, so when people come to me and say, Sergey, can we just make money out of longevity? I'm, I'm sending them back and I'm saying like, this is too early to invest in that. But like, so usually when people invest in us, um, uh, it should be, it should be at least three important considerations. One is, um, changing the world, like making the world a better place. So it's, it's time for them to pay back to the world. Second is having access to all the science and technologies. People want to be on the forefront of what is happening in the labs, in, in you know, different startups, who's bringing this uh, new technology-based uh, version of healthcare. And third, investment returns. Uh, yeah, probably around 10, 15% per annum. But uh, this is not guaranteed. And I'm always saying to new investors, like, guys, if you want to make money, this is not the best place. It's, it's such a, like early stage industry to be reliably like betting on that. So like, unless it's a combination of three things. Oh. Uh, and so, and so, should, la yeah. so longevity, you said there, it's in early stages, like yeah. longevity. You know, when I think of longevity, like, so we've been, we've read about the blue zones for years. We, we, we had Dan Butner on the podcast. Yeah, you had Dan Butner. Like, yeah, I remember that. And so, and so we know about, we know bits about like longevity and have read about, you know, uh, all sorts of, it's been very interesting for years. You know, we did our, had our own experience with like we grew up eating a meat and two veg diet and then ended up changing to vegetarian and then a vegan diet when we were about, about 20 years ago. And on that journey, we ended up getting into fasting and cleansing and enemas. And I used to ve read about Victorus Kulvinskus and Aaron Eckhart's mucusless diet and all these, like we went deep down the rabbit hole of kind of cleansing yeah. your body. And I wonder like what you're talking about is kind of like, you know, when I was, when I was reading up on you earlier today, yeah. like, you know, you're talking about growing younger and, you know, we were debating this in the kitchen. Gillian was in yeah. cooking with us this morning. She was like, you can't like Benjamin Button, like you can't be like Benjamin yeah. Button. You can't actually turn back the clock. <laughs> and, and I guess this is the conversation we'd love to have with you today about yeah. like, when you say yeah. growing, like your book is entitled growing younger is, you know, it's the science and technology of growing younger. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, is it actually like, it's not like I, like I'm 41 now. It's not like I can become 20. It's more like I can maintain my youth uh, and vigor. Well, this is very old way of, you know, looking into that, but this is very important way because we want to stay on longevity bridge. Like before all these technologies will arrive to us in the next 10 to 20 years, like it is important to be healthy and happy today. Because like in 10, 20 years from now, when we will discover the way like to reverse aging uh, and we already can reverse aging today. So we'll discuss that. Like, Ooh, like your, body and mind, your body and mind, it's, it should be worth extending its resource, right? Because if you're 60 and you like, you lost all your health and happiness, like why bother to extend this like uncapable, you know, unhealthy body? resource for another one but like age reversal is possible today like combination they just did a study last uh year uh in us like in course of eight weeks 
they managed to reverse biological clocks of the people, biological age of the people by three years. Eight weeks minus three years. And you know what was that? Plant-based diet. Yeah, it was not like stem cells. It was not regenerative medicine. It was not gen therapy. Uh, sleep, diet, and physical activities. Minus three years. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's I, amazing. I mean, people find it boring. I don't find it boring at all. And the whole notion of writing the book was for me like, well, saying, guys, all of these technologies, this is great. Like, let's be excited about them. But like, is this something you want to change today? And exactly on these dimensions, yeah. Most, uh, we've, in our experience, we found most people don't want to be told that they're responsible for their own health. Most people, when you tell them, it's like diet, sleep, stress management, exercise, yeah. and relationships. Yeah. These are, yeah. and no one, everyone wants to be told, can I just take a pill? I, I don't want to do all that stuff. Like, do, do you find most people kind oh, of, of romanticize yeah, well, the tech? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many things that, you know, like, we need to consider. Like, first of all, depending on the country, 60 to 80% of people don't want to extend their lifespan. Wow. They just say no to the opportunity to extend. And there's, there's a number of reasons behind that for all, uh, uh, but in the end of the day, like the whole notion is like we have created these technologies to extend our lifespan, but we still haven't created life that we want to extend. There's so many things in the world that we need to fix. And, and human beings are really, we will very lazy as species. So not a lot of people will have an opportunity to execute on, on this kind of routine, on this protocol, which, which require a lot of changes. But it's such an enjoyable change. I've done my change. Uh, I'm 49, so when six years ago at the age of 43, and I was so enjoy like the quality of my life is just really kind of increased and improved, and I have three fourths of my life ahead of me. I'm full of. <laughs> I like ah, that. That's good. That's good. And, and like, okay, you touched on it there. Like, what got you into it when you said 43? You yeah, kind of embarked yeah. on this journey six years ago, and what was the catalyst? What kind of evoked this? Because I think your background is investment banking and yeah, financial yeah. tools and. So I'm, I'm from a very poor family. Uh, and uh, so some people say I'm, I'm from the middle of nowhere. I'm from the end of nowhere. My hometown was like on the shore of Japanese sea, really, really far east, close to Japan, China, and, and Korea. What was so, the name of the town? Uh, it was, it's called Dalnigorsk. And I'm, as you can tell from my accent, I'm from Russia. But uh, <clears throat> the translation to English is like, you know, behind the mountains. So it's like, it just literally like, you know, end of nowhere. So I was forced to like work full time and study full time in the university from the age of 18 because it was perestroika. Both of my parents lost uh, their jobs and I was like the man of the family uh, responsible for uh, the whole family and younger brother from the age of uh, 18. So I was like workaholic and I'm still is actually. And I was working like day and night, really neglecting this all kind of health agenda. And in the age of 43, uh, and this is actually really typical for majority of us, like our relationship with health, our interest in, in health starts with a wake-up call, with a huge shock that we receive, significant deterioration of our own health or the health of, the, or, of someone whom we love. And then we're like, oh my God. Yeah, so for me, I mean, at this time it was dramatic, but like I quickly discovered high cholesterol level is, is you know, what like 40% of people suffer from that uh, in the world. So I went to doctor and they're like, well, Sergey, my goodness, you, uh, we haven't seen you for ages, but like your cholesterol level is very high. 
So and I'm say, okay, is is there like a pill for that? <laughs> Sounds very familiar, right? For your earlier story. And they said, oh yes, sure. It's called statins. It's one of the largest drugs category around the world. Uh, so you're gonna take them. And I, I said, that's cool. Is it one month, two months, or three months? And they said, uh, oh no, no, no. It's for the rest of your life, and you will need to take it, you know, every day. And remember, I was 43 at this time. So I and I, I really didn't feel comfortable of just taking something of the chemical nature inside my body every day for another 40 years. At this time, I thought I'm going to be living 40 years. Right now, it's another 151. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I increased my expectations uh, in terms of my lifespan. And uh, and I I like I said like what is the alternative? And they said, well, changes in diet, like supplements and physical exercise. And I couldn't believe my ears. Like, is that it? So, and, you know, I changed my lifestyle completely in the course of uh, five months. I decreased my cholesterol level by 25%, similar to what you would get through taking statins. And, uh, and it was such an enormous, beautiful change. So I started to share my story with friends and uh, trying to convince you know, more and more people to, uh, uh, to live a healthier version of uh, their life. So that's that, that's very typical story. Like 80, 90% of people whom I know started to develop their interest in longevity and health after something bad happening to their health. Wow. wow, I love your story. Very cool. And and was it like like we've been? Did a kind of plant based diet was that part of kind of a like reducing your cholesterol level or? Yeah, yeah I like like in the book, right? So I have uh, like the bonus chapter of the book uh, actually, who wants to live forever? Called who wants to live forever? But it's about ten longevity choices that you can make today, and your audience and you probably aware of you know like hundred percent of it. It's, uh, it sounds boring. It's it's complex because it's not a silver bullet, right? You need to work on combination of the things because human biology is complex enough um, not to, which would require a lot of changes on different dimensions. But you know, strictly speaking, diet is it's just a lot of disagreement in 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 academic uh, in academic circles, like what actually extends your life. But there's one agreement that decreasing the calories of your uh, food, uh, of your intake, daily intake, by 15 to 25% actually extends your life by three, uh, four, five healthy and hopefully happy years as well. So, but it's very easy to say like eat less, it's it's more difficult to implement that. So my life hack is obviously going plant-based because, uh, you know, plants are they're so intense in terms of the calories and they're so healthy. There's, there's not a lot of damage you can do to your body just by consuming vegetables, actually. And they do a lot of good things for your body. Uh, so, like, being plant-based is, is essential part of it. I don't think, you know, 100% of people need to be religious about, you know, becoming vegan or vegetarians. But what I've done, <clears throat> I decreased, like, 90%, like, the amount of red meat and, and fish protein that I uh, consume. So, my my diet is is heavily plant-based and i really enjoy it this whole power of vegetables or like rainbow vegetables that you can collect and enjoy i really like it and and the other side of it is what is sold today in our supermarkets and it's called meat and fish uh sometimes should have label with the word poison there 
because you know it's just full of growth hormones if you look at the industrial version of meat and fish it's it's growth hormones it's uh, antibiotics it's uh, equally bacteria so that's like really dangerous uh for our bodies 70 percent of antibiotics in uh, us is consumed by animals and fish on on in on industrial farms can you imagine that 70 percent and then these antibiotics end up in our system and they're not good for our system. Is that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, well, no, yeah. well, one of the, I think one of a, a huge challenge to longevity is antibiotic resistance, isn't it, over time? Yeah, exactly. So when I speak to like the best uh, and, and most um, kind of famous doctors in the US, I always ask them like one question, like, guys, like what is your biggest concern about health of the nation and i always thought it's going to be sugar because if you look at supermarkets in the u.s like 70 to 80 percent of the products has sugar added into that and this is like really bad right and uh well the answer is antibiotic resistance yeah our our we're just losing the ability to use antibiotics in, in a really like a dangerous moment of our health journey Right, wow. and we're consuming them almost every day with you know, industrial meat and fish, and that's 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 a problem. And okay, okay, I got a question here. I was just thinking about it. There was like you've got loads of hair there. When you're when you're going to be two hundred, you know the way. Okay, so we're going to be growing younger. So if you've got one hundred and fifty years left, and typically men like their hair moves further down yeah. their body from their head as they get older, and it tends to go on their shoulders and their back. Like, do these kind of things? Like when you're saying like we're going to live almost like Benjamin Button style. Do you see yeah. like that, for example, things like this, that like, and, and I see the likes of like, when we were chatting about this earlier, a friend was saying, Sarah was saying, well, Jennifer Lopez, she's on like rumor has it, she's on growth hormones and her fingers are getting longer, but she still looks like she's 25. And you hear these kind of celebrity urban myths. And I'm just wondering like, from a beauty side and an aesthetic side, like when you're mm-hmm. saying growing to 200, are we going to be frail, old, kind of rattling around in Zimmer frames or are we still going to be like playing American football or playing baseball <laughs> or running yes. and swimming the sea at 200? Like, Yeah, second one. So if you look at research, like whatever has been done with, uh, you know, mice, uh, pigs, um, dogs, primates, and even humans in, um, in longevity trials, and different the beauty like the external appearance side is always goes with your uh, with reversing of your biological uh, age and reversing aging process in your body so the good news that it's going to be coherent it's not like your organ is going to be like 25 years old and like you will look like 150 years old it's uh, that's the typical like a positive side effect on our external appearance on our beauty from you know any almost any longevity experiment and well i i do think it's just a lot of skepticism from people who just call it like a benjamin button uh type of um paradigm i mean if you look at at research today again this is where we started um eight weeks change in diet sleep and uh exercise is just minus three years on, on biological clocks, just within the eight weeks. And this is great. We already know all 3,000 genes in our DNA, which are responsible for aging processes for like longevity inside our bodies. And uh, just a lot of technologies which are currently in development, which will help us to influence this gene. So it's, we're going we're gonna to tackle this on a completely different level, not only on diet, not only on lifestyle, not only on on a hormonal level, but just 
on our genetic level. And this will be available soon in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Wow. Amazing. So, so, so in terms of um, like for anyone listening here today and is kind of going, great, I want to live, I want to live longer. And beyond the basics that I mentioned there, are there any yeah. basic things before we get into the kind of more, you know, sci-fi things or the more yeah. tech yeah. A- additions? Like, so, you know, beyond obviously eating a plant-based diet or plant-focused diet, exercising more, avoiding stress, spending time in nature, sleeping well, having healthy relationships. They're kind of like, you know, the fundamentals of health I would see in so many aspects. Are there other things that I'm missing there that are very and wh- determinant and in terms of longevity? And is there a weighting that some are more important than others? Um, well, I, I'm not a great believer into like saying something is like, you know more important than, than the other. And then people start to like try to find a silver bullet. And as we discussed earlier today, like human biology is so complex. It, like think about this. Well, imagine that if one answer to aging or age-related diseases would exist, then Mother Nature would would have been discovered that in the course of evolution, or you know, beautiful scientists will would discover that in their labs. So the fact that we don't have the answer to that it gives you the understanding that you need to work on multiple dimensions. So then, in addition to what you just mentioned, uh, two other things. One is is regular annual medical screening is extremely important. Like 20 to 40 years ago, cancer was key of that. People were deferring the day of their cancer screening because if you knew that you have cancer, you have just another six to 12 months to survive on this planet. Not anymore. Um, If you will discover cancer at early stage, at stage one, recovery rates uh, for some of the cancer types is up to 90 to 100%. And if this is stage four, when, when disease manifests itself, uh, it can be as low as what nine is, or just colon cancer is 20 to 30%. So your chances to survive and, and, and sustain the quality of your life, um, will increase through early diagnostic. And we have just some amazing machines like MRI machines, uh, uh, which will help you to discover that. So, I, I do say that the most important day of your life every year, and my wife has a you know, different answer to that, uh, <laughs> is the day of your annual medical screening. Uh, this is like is super important for your longevity and your health, discovering disease at early stage, and then have an opportunity to treat it not only with you know, like a surgery or heavy drugs, but like lifestyle interventions that we discussed, similar to my cholesterol story. Uh, is an important uh, thing. And like early stage cancer is uh, is treatable condition today in, in so many cases. And I know a lot of people, and I actually saved a lot of lives. I'm not a medical doctor, but I just, I send everyone I know to do annual screening. And it's the same story again. They called me up saying it was early stage cancer. I'm uh, fully treated, totally recovered. Sergey, you saved my life. And I'm like, oh. This is crazy. <laughs> this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's how we, they got me on longevity hook. Uh, so well, number one is, is the power of medical screening. Uh, it's super important. And this is your, should be your biggest investment of your time and probably money to you know, make sure you are uh, having a benefit of it. It does depend from the country. In some of the countries, it's just really included in like the basic healthcare package. In some of the countries, you need to pay for that, like in the U.S., it's anywhere between like 2.5 and $5,000. But, wow. you know, people spend just on their cars. 
much more money. And, and, and this is our most important car, most important tool, our body and our mind. And uh, this is where our investment should go. So one thing is, is yeah, screening, medical screening is very important. Uh, specifically these days when cancer is not a uh, case of death anymore. And second, just bad and risky choices. Uh, it, passive longevity is a polite version of that, or don't die stupid. As I say, like tobacco smoking is minus 10 years. Not using seat belts is minus two years. Uh, riding motorcycle is 17 times more dangerous and, 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 uh, so, uh, than driving a car. So you know, just doing, making these simple choices and, and don't die stupid as, um, uh, is the way forward. They're very good. I wouldn't have seen either of those coming. Uh, in terms of the diagnostics, just to get specific about it for anyone listening, and even for myself, what age should people, one, start doing? And the second part of it is, what should people be measuring? Is it simply to get a cholesterol test? Is it Should they go in and Blood get an MRI? Rise. Like, wh- where does it start and end? Because I could go and spend 20 grand on a medical test, you know, a serious one, or else I could spend 50 euros in the doctors. Yeah. So where where do we start? So there's a, it, again, it's just a lot of disagreement where aging starts inside our bodies. So some of the scientists said from the day one after we've been born, but uh, more common agreement is aging processes starts in our body somewhere around 40 to 45. And like, if you ask me personally, starting from age of 45, like every year you need to do this. Right. And um, then the second question is like, what is the composition? Like, what is in the mix for diagnostic, um, for screening? I, I do think you need to have this discussion with your doctor. But like, again, if you ask me, um, uh, full body MRI, uh, and it should be, you know, as precise as possible. So you, you have a benefit of having access to three Tesla MRI, they, you know, much more granular and, and artificial intelligence algorithm behind it it's like really helping doctors to identify early stage cancer um, on this one and it's just, and and it's very standard combination of your blood test your ultrasound uh, checks of the vessels here for cholesterol or in your uh, heart ultrasound as well so it's it's literally looking at uh, four risks uh, which are responsible for 90 percent of deaths after age of 50, which is a cancer, a heart disease, diabetes, and uh, neurogenerative disease. And neurogenerative disease is still the one that we still like in a discovery stage. We still don't know where it starts, like what are the root cause of it and how to fight this, but we go in there. And, and we're living in a completely different world today. There's just a lot of sensors that we use, right? So like, you know, look at me. So it's- Two watches. Uh, right? It's um, uh, O-ring that I use to track my sleep. It's um, Apple Watch, you know, for my physical activity and continuous glucose monitor right here uh, and to measure the level of my glucose. So we're all going to be full of sensors very, uh, very soon. And, and I, I do think it's, it it's also has to do with changing the role of wearables in our life. So our variables will become personalized healthcare devices very soon. All they need to do is to add to like, it doesn't matter whether it's Garmin, you know, Fitbit, Whoop, or Samsung Watch or Apple uh, Watch, it does not matter. What they will need to add is like continuous glucose monitor and blood pressure monitor. And this are like 90 to 95% of things that you wanna track on, on a regular basis about uh, uh, inside your body. 
And while, while we're on this, like how close are they? You know the way like these are the regular, <clears throat> excuse me, these are the regular everyday kind of devices, like consumer yeah. devices that you can buy in a, in a store. How far are these devices away from measuring your cholesterol on a daily basis and your blood sugars, as you said, and glucose levels, you know, or blood pressure or these basic things? Because I know at the moment, cholesterol, you need a blood test or you need a pinprick yeah. test. Yeah. For blood pressure, you need a separate monitor. For blood sugars, there's a separate kind of device. But how, how close are we to getting this all into one device? Because I think when that's reached, well, then, as you said, there's no need for an annual checkup. Yeah, so um, in a way, like for me, it, it really doesn't matter whether I need to wear it separately, like this continuous glucose monitor, or it's a part of this kind of same device. Uh, obviously, everything takes more time in healthcare and health, in like on a wearable side, on a technology side. So Apple thought they would introduce this functionality almost like in in the next version of Apple Watch, they they delayed this continue, like a continuous glucose monitoring functionality uh, by a few releases for Apple Watch. But in the end of the day, just then it just becomes a matter of convenience for us, right? Whether you're comfortable with wearing like a separate continuous glucose monitor, or you just want to wait another two, three, five years until we become part of your uh, healthcare de like device, personalized healthcare device. But what is important? This device collects all this data and it can use AI, like artificial intelligence algorithm to track your uh, risk factors. And uh, we've seen already quite a lot of people which can, their lives has been saved by their variables. It's either they, they fall down you know, on the street or um, there's something happening with their heartbeat and they, they need to like report to doctor um, immediately or you know like just measuring the oxygen level with apple watch a apple watch will not be as precise as like you know proper medical device for like for example measuring your oxygen but when you are in in you know in a covid situation and you you're just not sure it's a helpful first uh, way to to see is that a risk area for you at all and then you know ask for medical help and what do you think of the whoop strap? Do you find that useful? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm experimenting this for the last 30 days, and I really love the algorithm. So, like, you know, not to, I, I love, you know, what is done by other um, uh, producers of wearables. Like, for me, like, Aura Ring uh, sleep algorithm is too forgiving. Sometimes you really, like, you, it, it was really bad night, but, like, you look at, uh, you know, Aura Ring uh, statistic, and it's like, it's been brilliant. You set up for a great day. So, and I, you do know that it's, yeah, it was not exactly the case. So, and, and Apple watch for me is a little bit more complicated. This whole concept of circles, uh, like, yeah, I still miss my Fitbit time when it's like 10,000 steps is 10,000 steps. And that's kind of cool. I still haven't discovered the way how they integrate you know, all my physical activity into like you know these circles but it's it is helpful and so what i find the concept of day strain and like the, the, the you know all this kind of sleep integral score is, is kind of cool for me so i really like uh at least on the basis of my you know 30 days experiment 
Very cool. I have a question about, uh, there was a friend that worked with us, Anto Clavin, and he was just such a cool dude, wear tattoos, used to throw axes, did backflips, just super cool dude. And he always said, he was big into lifting weights, and he always said, when I reach 40, Flinner, I'm going to start injecting with testosterone. Because typically, a man over the age of 30 starts losing approximately 1% of testosterone a year. This was according to Anto. And he said, real important thing to do is to kind of lift weights that strain your bigger muscles to increase, to encourage your body to produce more testosterone and he always said he was gonna you know inject himself with a little bit of testosterone and maybe hgh human great growth hormone um, as a means of staying more physically active i just want to or as a mean for sta- having more testosterone yeah and staying know? more vital if you if you will how does this affect longevity is there truth in this is this just you know modern myth or yeah so um remember i'm not a doctor right i'm an investor who just happened to have a lot of you know, biohackers and longevity enthusiasts uh, uh, and scientists in my circle. So, like, you just need to take uh, uh, my words with a little bit of caution. I'm not a big fan in 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 changing your hormonal balance unless you have a radical condition, which actually like require medical intervention on this front. So that's that's kind of one thought because I do believe it's it's such a complex thing. Like, once you like disbalance that. It's going to be very difficult to like find or reverse. Yeah, uh, this your body just tends to live on the premise that it's, it's going to be just more and more testosterone coming from the outside, and uh, who knows, it might lose, it lose its natural ability to produce that. Uh, I'm oversimplifying, obviously. So that's one thing. Second thing, like testosterone, uh, I know a lot of people who just manage this through um, like importance of sleep. Sleep is like is is just a great thing for your hormonal balance, or do weightlifting, right? And they they actually think it's just this is more kind of friendly way to uh, to influence your hormonal balance through you know exercises and sleep as well. I do remember when I first meet uh, Jake Cradle, Doctor Jake Cradle in London. And he's the guy behind one of the longevity clinics there, working with yeah with. Um, Sportsmen uh, and wor- sportsmen and working with people who just recovered after cancer treatment. And um, when I asked him the question, like, "Well, Jack, like, what is the like number one thing that you would say?" and he he started with words, "Sergey, every evening we have an opportunity to visit the most powerful clinic in the world. We go to bed and we sleep." And I thought such an amazing way of you know, of putting the the uh words uh behind importance of sleep and like the book i don't know if you had matthew walker um on your uh show but uh the book called why we sleep has completely transformed my view on the importance of sleep because before that remember i'm workaholic um so i was just boring hours from my sleep time and thought the it's just the endless credit of extra time and i can have a right now my rule is eight hours in the bed which is seven hours of sleep roughly and i'm trying to follow it to extend it might might be difficult for the father of four uh, (laughs) of course very cool sergey you're great in in ireland we have this um there's a cunt there's there's an old irish myth so like in folklore and it's a like it's an old story it's of this specific land called Tiernanog, which means the land of the young. And it's a place where people live forever and they don't age at all. And there's a there's an ancient Irish myth where 
you know, some... It was Fionn's, Fionn McCool's Seamus. son. I, I think I it think was... A, uh, I can't remember anyway, but it was some some fairy woman came back from Tiernanog and she fell in love with a with, a, with a, an Irish man and brought him over to Tiernanog and he ended up staying young forevermore and then came back and everyone had died. And anyway, it was a little story. And he fell off his horse because if he touched the ground, he'd die. And he no, touched he, the ground. Yeah, and anyway, he, but Tiernanog, lovely place. And I guess what you're talking about in a sense is Tiernanog. Like, like there's, there's, there's the growth Growing, the, like growing young in a sense or maintaining our youth for a hundred years is not a concept that most of us are used to. And as you said, there's almost like a reframing of our own beliefs on this yeah. because like even now I look like and I kind of think, okay, well, like my eyes, like we used to wear glasses for years and I'm wondering with growing younger, can I, can my eyes like beyond lasering because we got laser treatment on one of our eyes, mm-hmm. like can my eyes become more useful? Can like my teeth get better because I do have a few whatever you call those yokes, fillings. Yep. Like, like what, to what extent do you see this getting? Like, is this true? And where does the, where does the, now this is a multiple, a big uh, juggernaut of a question. Like, where does, there's the lifestyle practices here, which are like, obviously we went through them previously. Yep. And then there's the medical interventions and the technology aspects. And like, which are we crediting more for? Because I know I've heard you talk about gene manipulation and kind yep. of, you know, I don't even know about the stem cells bit, but I know gene manipulation, as you said, there's 3000 genes related to aging. And if we kind of turn some on and turn some off, does it make us like, does it make people's hair, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, well, just a lot of important things here. One is the importance of the, our mindset. And that's why I wrote the book. So the key message is like, we all going to be living longer or radically longer. And then it's really up to us, like how to react to that. So what are the implications of that on our health strategy, like family strategy, like uh, kids from multiple generation on your career, your finances. So it's just so many things that we need to like rethink and decide uh, and again, take responsibility for it. Like we did think about this. We delegated all our longevity and health choices to other parties with, with conflict of interest to big food, to big pharma regulators, you have governments, insurance companies, you know, hospital providers, like where are our voices here, right? I'm not saying all of us need to be MD or like, you know, make our own decisions about our health, but like specifically in the US, it's just, it just, um, it goes to like ridiculous direction. I, I know just someone, um, he went to doctor and doctor said, okay, well, this is great. This is all clear to me. Go to pharmacy and pick up these pills. And she's like, what kind of pills is that? Can you just explain him like uh, how they work and like what is like even the just the name of the pill? And he is like, the guy is like, you don't trust me? I'm a doctor. Just it's a good pill for you. You need to take them. So this is ridiculous, right? Where's our curiosity? Where our opportunity to take like a second and third opinion on you know some of the medical choices that uh, that can have radical influence, like positive and negative, on your life. So that's that's um, one thing. And second thing, I think just recognition that we are on the verge of, of huge change. Like in 10, 20 years from now, the world is going to be completely different. And I want all of us to be healthy and happy and really enjoy these times rather than just suffer from, you know, being in our 60s or 70s and, and regret about our health choices 20 years uh, Ago. So right now it's mostly lifestyle focus and then enjoying the benefits of technology for early diagnostic. So that's 
that's today in 22 sorry in, in 5 10 15 20 years from now it's, it's going to be a lot of different things one is like gene editing and gene therapy we already have some experiments where they managed to um how do you pronounce it in english like reverse vision to the old blind mice oh this is amazing right this is this is to your story like if we will have like a technologist and, and scientific breakthroughs to influence um uh, the like a work of most important organs uh, inside our body so some of it going to be achieved through the means of gene editing and gene therapies so that's that's kind of one um uh, the second piece is or, and organ regeneration, our ability to regenerate or replace organs. So think about old cars. So if you want to extend the like capacity and resource of old cars, you know, what we're doing today, we're replacing organs, right? We're replacing parts and you can even replace uh, uh, engine. Well, this is the way to extend the lifespan of the car. Similar things will happen to humans. So right now, there's, there's so many important technologies happening in the field of organ regeneration. You can basically 3D print organs, and this is happening today. Uh, the current stage of development, 90 to 95% of organs printed from the biological materials end up not in humans, but in labs, in scientific labs for trials. But this is very important, right? That we just... We debottleneck in this whole kind of trial things. You don't need to like wait for human to give you organ for experiment. Yeah, you just can just do the same experiment with 3D, 3D bioprinted organ. So that's one. You can use uh, animals to regrow organs, and pigs are like the closest DNA-wise, the closest um, you know animal um, uh, in the nature whether we like it or not. And then the third thing is you can regrow organs inside your body. We invested, two years ago, we invested in a company called like Genesis. So they're based in Pittsburgh in the U.S. And um, what they do, they take in donor liver and they split it to 50 to 75 pieces. And so that's their ability to help 50 to 75 people from one organ, not one-to-one -one as it happens today. They use very simple laparoscopic operation. They put it in our lymph node. It's actually here. And uh, then inside your lymph node from this you know, nucleus of liver, the new liver is growing inside your body in the course of three to six months. And it, what it does, it picks up the function from your non-functioning liver at the moment. This is amazing. And it's a huge problem today. Like there are 117,000 people in US only on the waiting list for donor organs. So that's a lot. And like liver transportation is 600 to $800,000 procedure. Imagine like when like Genesis technology will come into life and will be available to us and how many people will sustain the quality of their life, not to talk about quantity of uh, uh, their years. And if you think it's sci-fi, they already done it with uh, mice, dogs, pigs, uh, primates, and it starts in human trials in November this year, 2021. They just got FDA approval to start human trials. Well, this is happening today. And, and we didn't discuss a lot gene therapy and gene editing, but we should. Like yeah, so what, years, so, yeah, so on, what, is, what is gene editing and gene therapy? And excuse my ignorance. So gene yeah. therapy is where we're going in and we're editing our genes to turn yeah. off certain lifestyle traits, yeah. is it? And yeah. to turn on others. Yeah. So... Uh, 
gene editing. So, uh, gene editing is your ability to replace uh, certain genes inside your DNA. Because we all know, like, like our DNA is, is basically the code for you know good and bad things happening inside our body. And um, so, therefore, if you have an, an ability to use genetic scissors, right? Do you take out certain parts of your DNA? Not a lot. Sometimes it's just one or two genes and or switch them off. Well, that's the opportunity for you to influence your genetic setup. And uh, sometimes it's negative. Like if one of your genes are not functioning, uh, then you can have like a rare genetic disease and you can die much, much earlier. Sometimes it's positive. So like 70% of longevity of centenarians, people who live beyond 100 years, is predetermined by their genetic setup. How well is 3,000 genes, longevity genes in their DNA, is working? And then it, what has happened then, in the last then, 20 years? Then, so sorry for, yeah. for change up one sec, because I know I'd read that like, you know, like genetics is like, is the kind of what you've, it's almost like a gun. Genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle determines whether you fire it. Like that's what I had kind of, my own understanding of, of epigenetics. Ep yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Exactly. Okay. So, but then, yeah, uh, like if you look at the studies, the I, and now I can give you the average. The, on average scientists think that that our longevity and, and state of health is thirty to forty percent predetermined by our genetics, and the rest is your choices. In terms of environment, in terms of your lifestyle, in terms of your early diagnostic, etc. So, like, you think okay. about this, genetic is important for some of the people in case of, like, rare genetic disease. If you've been really unlucky in genetic lottery, then it's a separate issue. It's just, like, genetic in case. And I do hope that we'll, we're going to have more and more um, interventions in this field um, uh, available. Uh, but for majority of us, it comes down to, like, your everyday decisions. And, uh, and, and this, it's it just a lot of influence like 60 to 70 uh, percent of influence that um, your everyday decision will have on your you know healthy and and uh, happy life wow jesus fascinating yeah like can i just add something else so like this genetic scissors is is a very old well 20 years old invention but since that uh what we discovered sometimes you don't need to like to take out genes from from our dna you can actually like silence them you know, switch on or switch off, or you take, you can take some of the you know, cells from our body, like, or stem cells, and then, you know, repurpose them through the means of gene therapy. Like 30 years ago to sequence human genome, US spent $3 billion and, and 13 years to sequence one human genome. Right now, just few hours and few hundred dollars. And we all participating in uh, experiment, and I do hope it's positive experiment in uh, genetic therapy because Moderna and any other, you know, uh, and, and a lot of other COVID vaccines are the outcome of gene therapy. It's mRNA vaccine. So that's uh, that's how far we went in the last um, uh, 20, 30 years in this field and more to come. I, I actually do believe in 20 years from now, the biggest obstacle for our longer living is not going to be science, it's not going to be technology, it's going to be human ethics and regulation. 
Wow. Human ethics and regulation. So is that, is that, so you're like, you're referring about the ethics around longevity and it's kind of, that's down to the moral issue about yeah. like, at what point are humans playing God and at what points well, well, are, are, well, we, are, are we, like, cause the very nature of the, the question around longevity and the human inter, interference beyond lifestyle factors is kind of like, if you look at nature one as its own, everything dies and it's a part of life. And when it dies, yeah. it's so it's it's fertilizer for the next tree or next plant or some aspect of nature. And similarly, we have our role to play within that. And, you know, if you look at the current definition of nature, it's everything that occurs outside of humans, almost that we're separate from nature. And this is at what point do we does this God complex become excessive and we literally derive ourselves extinct and particularly and particularly i wonder about it because now i see like you know the way we talked there about like genetics loads the gun and lifestyle decides whether it's fired or not and i see that we like nowadays the environment that we live in is an extremely obesogenic environment certainly in the developed world where people are the like the as you said like 80 percent of the foods in supermarkets have sugar like we there's so much non-foods are being consumed by foods by humans which aren't kind of leading to healthy happy humans we're not moving that much diseases seem to be on the rise so i kind of wonder like is this another another kind of <clears throat> another kind of role at trying to find a silver bu- bullet like and now these silver bullets are going to be gene editing and gene stem cell stuff or you know and I kind of wonder that do we need the lifestyle bits as well or that isn't really a question it's just a whole lot of babble yeah, Good effort, yeah I mean Dave. we do need this and and it's I do think it's like super important and um, unless we change this world our relationship with mother nature, like the inequality gap, it's going to be very difficult for us to enjoy the idea of uh, living longer. And that's, uh, that's very clear for me. And that's why, you know, my mission to bring affordable and accessible version of the health technology to the world, like almost every investment that we make in it's like 20, 30, like sometimes 50, not percent times improvement against current practice in terms of the cost. This is, you know, why I'm, I'm really interested to, you know, um, to work on that because it's an opportunity to like democratize healthcare. So that's one aspect of that. Second aspect of it, just uh, unless we change ourselves and we will take responsibility not only for our own health, but the health of our planet, like uh, it's, it's not going to be healthy yeah, development of uh, evolution and we're not going to be like a positive part of it. Uh, so that's clear for me. Unfortunately, just one man like me couldn't solve, you know, all these problems. So what I'm saying, like, guys, I'm happy to invest in technology and like, you know, science to bring more healthy and happy years uh, to us. But like collectively, we just need to decide how we want to change this world, how we would like to change our relationship with modern nature to be integral part of it, not, you know, not to be damaging, to be more responsible, not to draw plastic in the ocean and think some other generation will fix it uh, for themselves. Yeah, that's, that's important as well. And there's, there's so many more ethical questions like um, this, this whole social constructs like career, retirement, uh, marriage, they all been created for the world where the average person lived for 35 years. And it was actually like average lifespan hundred years ago. Wow! Right now, I mean, this is all binary constructs like full-time career and full-time retirement. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't be that binary, that radical about this whole thing. If you listen to your your 
previous guest, Dan Butner, he says that his TED talk, uh, he says the two most dangerous years of your life is, is the year of your birth and year of your retirement. So why we need to have this full-time job and full-time retirement, we just need to be like integral part of society and community and the family after we so-called retire, well, we need to explore a flexible model. And the same thing about marriage. So uh, two-thirds of the marriages, depending on the country, like, um, but it's roughly two-thirds, go through divorce in the first five years after the marriage. Like, shall we be more uh, creative, uh, diverse, and, and more responsible to help people have kids, but not to suffer like, you know, through divorce you know, experience and have trauma for all of them and their expectations and that. And again, and it's, there's, there's so many more questions on the, on the moral side here. Yeah, I think well, one that really comes, resonates with me is I think there's a deficiency of human spirit and human faith. And that's part of the thing. And it's like part of, say, the tech and the, the allure of tech and science is it's kind of almost fueled by greed and fueled by this sense of dominion over nature, if you will. And that it's kind of underneath it, it's like, if we can find that harmony, if we can find that more deeper, kind of more connected sense of living where we're more, you know, congruent with nature, we're more respectful with nature, I think then the, the possibility of li living longer lives, I think, is really, it's beautiful. But at the moment, the idea of us humans living for 200 years, I can't see our planet continuing just because the way we're currently living, we're already struggling to contain whatever, 7 billion people on this planet at the moment and keep beautiful, it in some... Steve. Beautiful, Thanks, no, That Dave. was good. I did enjoy that. <clears throat> Thanks, Dave. Yeah. I, I also agree. I also remember Dan Butner, you mentioned him there. And I remember, he, he, I remember listening to him one day and he was talking about if longevity was a cake recipe. He was talking about longevity and happiness. And I remember him saying that like, you'd have a nap, you'd, you know, you'd have a nap, you'd probably only work three or four hours a day, you'd spend seven to eight hours a day with other people, you'd probably have a glass of wine with friends, you would uh, spend less than 30 minutes on your phone on social media, yeah. and you'd be outside for a lot of the day, and th that was this kind of recipe, and like, to your point there about saying that we have these binary kind of, you work full time, you're retired, like, you know, if we can find some symbiotic harmony, I don't know. We're trying to solve yeah, look, here, uh, the future will, will bring a lot of changes like 25, 50 or 100 years from now, the, the way I see it. And I'm, I'm always been criticized of being optimistic and idealistic. So be careful here. But like we're dreamers, too, Sergey. We're dreamers, too. We're the exact yeah, so same. Like, we're going to have technology based and more data driven version of healthcare. And it's uh, my dream is for this to be like a basic good and services offered by the government. So we don't need to pay for that. It's uh, technology will bring us an opportunity to like democratize completely the, you know, the healthcare system and that. Like we would not need to work full time, and therefore, then the question is, well, what is your sense of purpose, right? What do you do in this life, and how you connect uh, to your community? Like how are you sharing the best of you with the world? That's it's very important existential uh, questions for for all of us. Wow, brings a lot like of questions. That. Okay, last question. How do we measure our biological age? Like, how do we do this? Like, how do I, like, we're 41. Well, I, I have another question after your last question. Okay. I gotta, I gotta okay. go. David's last question. How do we measure our biological age? Yeah, so like, you, you just go to, like, any, any providers uh, who are taking a uh, different set of biomarkers to measure your biological age. Sometimes... Uh, you can yeah you can download your kind of well easiest ways to do like a blood test 
and you just put a different parameters on the website just google like biological clocks and biological age and uh, you can do it this uh there's a website called young.ai. I have nothing to do with that. So everyone just <laughs> young. But like, um, you can put anywhere between like 20 or 40, like your blood test parameters and then show your biological age. And some of the companies in, uh, in our field, like Inside Tracker and Novus, like just a lot of, uh, you can find it on the internet, uh, opportunities to measure your biological age. It's really an index. It's like, uh, so I'm 49. And my biological age is 43. So it's really an index like how successful, you know, I am, am I, um, in, on my kind of longevity and uh, healthy journey. But you're right, it's, it's, it, it's just very difficult to establish like a feedback loop. So you just make sure you hit, you know, all the important choices that we discussed today, like, you know, diet, diet exercise, you know, annual screening, uh, not making kind of stupid choices or risky choices. And uh, this whole mindfulness, sleep, you know, part is uh, important as well. Okay, last question that I want to, I want to go out there. I want to go out in sci-fi. I, one of my favorite movies ever watching was Avatar. Just, I remember going watching it twice, it, like yeah. the night she after the night. I just thought it was amazing. I was so excited about it. Can you paint a picture of you know, longevity 30 years into the future, like what you see, like based on the, you know, the embryonic stage of technology. Yeah. Now and I, where they're I even go. remember in Star Trek about 30 years ago, they had a mobile phone that you could talk to people with. And back then that was like, oh my God, what a crazy yeah. idea. And now we do it every day and we don't bat an eyelid. So Avatar came out, whatever it was, 10 years ago, where you literally connect to another body and you control it. And is this a dream or a fantasy or yeah. what do you reckon? Let's predict yeah. the future. Let's have fun. So and beyond Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, Great. so I, I had a discussion like for my book, uh, for the science and technology of growing young. I actually interviewed Peter Jackson, the main behind uh, director behind uh, um, Hobbits, Lord of the Rings, uh, Avatar movies. So amazing man. And uh, what we discussed, and, and here's my picture of the future in 25 to 50 years from now, it's going to be a world of uh, human avatars. We still undecided whether they're going to be robotic, like a movie or virtual. It seemed to me that recreating ourselves in the virtual environment, it's easy, cheaper, and more efficient way of recreating ourselves. That's one. Second, we're all going to be full of sensors, like, you know, I'm today, but they're going to be more embedded and integrated. And uh, like, you've heard about concept of internet of things, where like a lot of things around us are interconnected. It's, we're going to live in a world of internet of bodies. We're all going to be interconnected on this level. We're going to be part of decentralized, a system run by artificial intelligence who will monitor and manage our health will give us like you know as early indication of of you know emerging problem inside our body or mind as as possible it's going to be nanobots flying inside our blood and just clean the you know, uh, our body or attack uh cancer cells uh cells and our brain going to be integrated with computer power it's going to be man and machine will become one and therefore, our brain uh, going to be connected to artificial intelligence or computer power through the interface. I still don't know whether it's going to be invasive interface, like Elon Musk is developing in Neuralink, or non-invasive, like some other companies do. But it's pretty clear. We already integrated with computer power. We just use very inefficient interface for that, right? I'm using my eyes, you know, my ears, my you know, uh, fingers to uh, type the text. But it's like... 
uh, it's we're clearly going to be much more integrated with computer. It's going to be seamless, and uh, it's not going to be like you know human intelligence and artificial intelligence. It's going to be combination of both. So we're going to redefine humans on this bionic level, but also on this genetic level, influencing our longevity genes. And it's going to be a world without genetic diseases because we can then fix them uh in the you know, like either in the form of embryo or when person was just um yeah, born and it's going to be a world where you can define your target age like so my mantra like every morning i wake up i'm saying myself i'm going to be living 200 years in a body of 25 years old man and we all will have a choice wow what fun the <laughs> coming soon in our lifetime what fun part, part of me also thinks of you know like I, I, did you ever read that book autobiography of a yogi I don't know if you've ever read it. It's quite a famous book. I can't remember the name of the guy. What's his name? Paramahansa. Something, something. Yeah, Paramahansa. an amazing spiritual man wrote it. But within that, there were a lot of these spiritual gurus that were able to communicate without phones, you know, telepathically. They were able to, you know, teleport themselves. They were meant to create many versions of themselves. A lot of the, the things that, you know, and it just makes me think, wow, I wonder, you know, where are the limits of human potential and within life and... Yeah. What is real and what is not real. Anyway, we're gone way off here. Sergey, you're wonderful. I love that conversation. We, as we say in Ireland, that was great crack, which means fun. It's an Irish word for fun. So brilliant. Brilliant. You're great. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you so, for, so for anyone listening to find out more about you, Sergey, where can they find out more? And your book. Can you tell yeah. us a bit about your book? Well, the book called The Science and Technology of Growing Young. We've, it, it was a success. We've done a number of best-selling uh, lists all around the world. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. It's really short, like 200 pages story of where we are today with longevity and what we should expect in the near and, and you know, long, uh, sorry, near and far horizon of longevity technology. As I said, for me, the most important part of the book is like bonus chapter when it's 10 longevity choices that we can, you know, make today to stay on longevity bridge. So that's one. Or you can go to sergeyyoung.com, sign up for our newsletters and, uh, and hear a lot of updates, funny updates and interesting and promising updates from the world of science and technology of uh, uh, longevity. Brilliant. Thank well, you so much, Sergey. Yeah, really hope Likewise, to meet you someday. Guys, Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> for sure. Sure. Thank you, Sergey. Lots of love. Cheers. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. I found that a fabulous conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, what a gentleman. What a fascinating topic. Do it, you it, want to live to 200? Yeah. Do well, you, are you interested well, based in on his stats, 60% of people don't. 60 to 80% of people don't. Uh, and even Sarah here, we were discussing, um, Sarah and Shawnee produced the podcast. Thank you, Shawnee and Sarah. We were discussing beforehand and Sarah was kind of saying, well, I don't know if I do want to outlive my friends. You know, like, you know, it's kind of this type of thing. Anyway, there's a lot of like mora mor morality or moral issues, ethical but, issues but around longevity. But it was also very futuristic. Like what he was talking about ultimately was silver bullets and avatars and really I think on a day-to-day -day basis from where we're at today it's back eat your vegetables go to sleep and prioritize your sleep move lots and the other thing that it like really resonates with me is I, I'm a huge believer in human potential and I'm a dreamer and I remember reading a book Oh, can I remember the name of it? No, I can't remember. Mutant message down yeah, under. Yeah, mutant message down under. You were where it was talking about kind of Aboriginal um, Aborigines and how they had these amazing capacities to heal broken bones instantly, to kind of and transport, to, to talk telepathically, and even talking with Bruce Parry, Bruce Parry, um, who we interviewed about tribes, uh, and he was talking about 
I think it was Bruce, wasn't it? He was talking yeah. that at one point he was walking out with a father and a son in the in the forest, and they were going out to find a particular area, and they walked for an hour, and then on the way back, um, Bruce asked, "How do you know where you're going?" He said, "Well, the deer told me." And he said, "You didn't talk to the deer," and I just. You know, I, I I have a huge believer in human. Anyway, we're capacity. going way off here. We're going way off here. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sergi Young, cool dude, really interesting. Great fun. Let us know on social media what you thought. What Share. what are your thoughts on ethics and moralities around longevity? What age do you want to live to? Yeah, if you enjoyed this, uh, share it on Instagram, on stories, and tag us, and we'll reshare it and get the message out there to more people. And just to finish with, thank you so much for listening. We really love this podcast. It gives us such an opportunity to learn more about topics we're fascinated about and to try to share that it might enrich your life so yeah thanks Mel see ya wishing you a great day bye 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 bye